0: You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. Colonial Virginians loved the theater. It was a fondness they carried over from their home country of England, where playwrights like Shakespeare and his contemporaries ruled the stage and the common imagination. Shakespeare's plays are still performed throughout the world and at Colonial Williamsburg. Their performance and production was profoundly influenced by one man, though it's a name you've probably never heard. Supervisor of Performing Arts Kevin Ernst is our guest today and he stopped by to tell us about David Garrick, a man who, in his own way, made as lasting an impact on the stage as William Shakespeare. Kevin, thank you for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I want to start by saying that this um, topic today comes from a listener request. So listeners, if you're out there and there's something you want to hear, write to us. It may be a while before we can get to the topic, but we're always glad for your suggestions. So we had a listener who asked us to talk a little bit more about David Garrick and his influence on the theater and his influence on Virginia theater. Kevin, who was David Garrick?
1: David Garrick uh, to the 18th century person was considered probably the most important contemporary figure in the theater. In England, he first rose to fame in the 1740s, and he was known for his acting style. Uh, He soon rose to fame, playing roles like Richard III in some of the unlicensed theaters in London. Later he became a contracted actor to the Drury Lane Theatre. Eventually he became so wealthy and famous he was a co-owner of Drury Lane Theatre, the prime actor, the lead actor. Um, He was essentially a director of the plays that came up, though they didn't technically have what we call directors in that time. And uh, he also heavily influenced uh, playwrights of his day and was a playwright himself. In fact, uh, of the afterpiece plays of that time, Garrick wrote the top three plays that were staged in London as well as in America uh, during that time. The three most popular ones were all Garrick written. Uh, Garrick was also, as I say, well known for his naturalistic acting style. Uh, up till then, there'd been more of an artificial sort of bombastic style. An actor was almost a costumed orator who was reciting the lines of a poet. Uh, what Garrick did is he brought a very natural, uh, very authentic approach to acting. When his character was supposed to look terrified, Garrick looked as though he was absolutely terrified. Um, whatever the passion was, Garrick went to great pains to recreate that authentic passion in, in his acting style. Uh, this may seem uh, less, than, less than surprising to modern audiences. Naturalism, you might say, is the sort of style that we expect today in the 18th century that had been quite different until Garrick rose to fame. Um, you find with Garrick that, uh, as I say, he was well known as, a, as an actor, a playwright, a theater manager. He also brought a lot of innovations to the theaters of his time. Uh, there were, uh, for example, great advances in lighting techniques. He actually traveled to the mainland uh, of Europe and he brought back a lot of new lighting techniques to the theaters of London. For example, he, uh, he innovated a technology that actually allowed for lights to be dimmed on the stage, Uh, a greater degree of light to be thrown on the painted canvases. Uh, These were beautifully painted canvases painted by some of the best artists of the time and you can imagine how much more extravagant they would look if they were well lit so that audiences could actually see them.
0: Something we take for granted now, completely for granted now, but that Mm. was actually his his innovation.
1: Absolutely. Now some of the other things he did is that he changed theater customs. Uh, There were certain prerogatives that audiences expected to have. Uh, For example, gentlemen who would sit in the box seats, these are often uh, minor nobles and such, they expected privileges like being able to to walk about backstage both before, after, sometimes even during the play itself. And Garrick was well known for uh, removing that privilege. So gentlemen were no longer allowed to go backstage. Um, He also uh, created a bit of a theater riot on one occasion where he tried to end the uh, the custom of allowing for half price admission at the uh, during the second act of the first play and uh, you can imagine that, that some people were not very happy about this. He actually caused a riot which greatly damaged uh, his theater Drury Lane theater. These are the sort of things that people expected during that time
0: and what about his plays? was he known? Were his plays known to be well received by critics? How was he as a writer?
1: It's interesting. I'd say that that it's sort of a a love-hate relationship with Garrick. In his time, he was extremely well regarded in most every every way. Uh, Perhaps as a playwright, that might have been his weakest point. That said, he was still very successful as one. Um, Now I say that the the critics maybe did not receive his plays as well, but he wasn't writing very heavy plays. He was writing comedies, usually lighter comic pieces that that were were very successful. his greatest innovation maybe as as a playwright in the realm of of playwrights was in the adaptations that were being performed of older plays Uh, Perhaps being an actor, he had great insight into what would play well with modern audiences. So he was considered masterful at both adapting plays himself as well as uh, uh, collaborating with other playwrights uh, who would adapt plays. This would include the works of Shakespeare even. Even Shakespeare, who was considered the great playwright of of England uh, even at that time, Uh, saw his plays adapted constantly. Uh, There were some very standard famous adaptations, for example, Kali Sibber's adaptation of Richard III, uh, incidentally, which did not have the speech, now is the winter of our discontent. Uh, that That was actually stricken from the play. And they actually took a scene from another Shakespearean play where the old king is murdered by the Duke of Gloucester, Richard himself. They actually put that scene at the beginning of this play, and it was seen as uh, a better story, perhaps. And uh, what can I say? Sometimes a scene of violence doesn't hurt uh, in a play.
0: Those plays are so sacred now; it's amazing mm. to to picture them just being, you know, cut and pasted among among themselves. No question. Garrick's plays, even though they might not have been critically acclaimed, have some lasting impact. They are still performed here at Colonial Williamsburg, how does Garrick figure into the interpretation um, of of theater that we're offering to visitors here?
1: Well, as I said, many of Garrick's afterpiece plays were the ones that were very successful in his time. Uh, Very often, as part of our 18th century play series, we choose an afterpiece play. Uh, An afterpiece is the second play that came at the end of an evening of theater. You actually had two plays, a five-act main piece uh, followed by a a two to three-act afterpiece play. Uh, Garrick's plays being shorter plays, uh, they tend to fit well with uh, modern audiences' expectations. They usually last about an hour to an hour and a half. Um, They tend to be very well written, have very complete stories, and uh, well drawn out characters and such, and they play well with modern audiences. And uh, that's one of the reasons that we often have uh, chosen his plays. Uh, plays like Lethe, or Aesop in the Shades, The Lying Valet, or The Lying Valet, uh, Miss in Her Teens, The Irish Widow. Um, all these are plays that uh, modern audiences enjoy, which happen to have also been very, very popular with uh, with audiences of the 18th century.
0: It really says a lot about the man that, uh, that these plays, you, you can still enjoy them today. What was Garrick's influence in Virginia?
1: If nothing else, we know that Virginians were very much aware of Garrick, his greatness as an actor in, in London. If anything, they looked to London as the center of their theater world. And uh, for example, um, when people spoke of Patrick Henry as a great speaker, we actually have a quote from John Randolph of Roanoke. He spoke of Patrick Henry as being, quote, Shakespeare and Garrick combined. So you can imagine he's, he's basically saying the, the, the words of Shakespeare and the voice of Garrick and the, uh, the ability to compel listeners uh, to, uh, uh, to listen to his words and to, to accept his message. I think that speaks volumes about how well they were both aware of Garrick and uh, basically saying that their own great speaker, if they were going to compare him to one person or two people in this case, it would be Shakespeare and Garrick.
0: It says a lot for all three men. Is it an exaggeration to say that Garrick is still with us today when we go to the movies or when we go to a play?
1: No question at all. Uh, When you think of our modern uh, sense of decorum when we go to the theater. If anything, Garrick was trying to uh, reform audiences to become more respectful, more uh, uh, to, to focus on what's going on on the stage, to not be distracting. Certainly you see that. Uh, anyone who's been involved in theater as a performer or or working backstage, you know some of the, the golden rules of the theater. For example, uh, no guests backstage during a performance. This was an innovation that ties directly Uh, back to Garrick. Of course, anyone who's been involved in lighting techniques and such, Garrick uh, was one of those who made these new forms of lighting uh, the standard in, in London theaters. And of course, with uh, acting style as well, uh, really, we, we thank Garrick in many ways for matri- making naturalism the, uh, the standard uh, of his time. And of course, that filters down to later times. And also the other thing which I spoke of a little bit earlier, uh, his being in a sense, one of the first directors of the stage, uh, up till his time, you really don't have a unified sense of vision for plays uh, that are being staged. Uh, For example, actors often decided themselves what they would wear for costumes during the performance, the manner in which they would deliver their lines, Um, Some actors were notorious in rehearsal for uh, muttering their lines on the stage and walking through the movements, some loosely agreed to blocking between the actors, but then when they actually performed, uh, their performance often was uh, as much surprising to the other actors on stage as it was to the audience. Uh, Garrick, in his, in his performances at his theater, uh, he insisted on a much more standardized approach and he heavily influenced the actors who worked in his theater. Uh, some found this a bit challenging and you find many who criticized his approach uh, for it seemed to not allow for innovation among the actors themselves. If it was an imperfect system, uh, perhaps it was because it was so very new. We have the benefit of uh, 200 years of directors who've uh, helped to uh, refine our approaches uh, to that sense.
0: It's such an interesting history, and it's entertaining as well. And so I hope when guests come out here, they'll stop in and see some of these um, programs offered by the theater department and get to know a little bit more about popular culture and entertainment and how it affects our modern entertainment today when they visit us. So Kevin, thank you for being here today. Thank you. We're always glad to hear from you. Send comments or suggestions from our web page at podcast.history.org or find us on Facebook. To support the podcast and other Colonial Williamsburg programs, visit history.org donate.